Welcome to Let's Review RN. My name is Bryn O'Donnell, and I'm a certified adult and geriatric nurse practitioner. I work as a cardiology APN and function as a visiting professor and clinical instructor for a BSN program. This is an independent production by myself, and I am not representing any educational institution. My goal is to deliver a condensed but robust review on topics primarily discussed in Adult Health 1 and 2 and some pieces of pharmacology of a bachelor degree nursing program. Over the years, I've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic, which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting. I want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Let's Review RN. We are on our third episode of diabetes mellitus type 2, and today we're going to talk mainly about the medications that are used to treat type 2 diabetes. And so I'm going to spend this entire podcast talking about anti-hyperglycemic medications, and what I mean by that is medications that reduce the amount of glucose circulating in the bloodstream. So this topic can be boring to some, it can be very um, technical, the terms that we use. So I'm going to try to avoid the medical jargon and really use layman's terms when I'm talking about anti-hyperglycemic medications. Um, If I use a brand name or a generic name of a drug, um, when I'm talking about a specific class of medications, I am not promoting one over another. It's just simply I'm using one that I have worked with directly in the clinic or I've seen the most in the patients that I work with on a day-to-day basis. To begin, I'm going to start with one of the most popular anti-hyperglycemic medications, and it's in a class of medications called biguanides, and this is metformin or glucophage. And so this medication works by reducing the amount of glucose released by the liver, and it decreases insulin resistance by the muscle cells. Um, It's used initially a lot because the potential for hypoglycemia is really very low when used in monotherapy, or what I mean by that, when it's used alone. The next class of medications that I'm going to talk about are alpha-glucosidase inhibitors, and you may have heard them um, as Glyset or Miglitol, Precos. Um, This type of medication slows digestion and absorption of dietary carbohydrates There is an increased risk of hypoglycemia or low blood sugar levels when used in combination with insulin or sulfonylurea agents, which are another anti-hyperglycemic medication that we'll talk about shortly. Um, So you must treat hypoglycemia with dextrose, which is essentially a form of of sugar, um, if hypoglycemia occurs. Next is TZDs. And um, medications in this class are Actos or Avandia. And this class of medications um, increases insulin sensitivity. It also decreases liver glucose output. And it does take 12 or more weeks to achieve maximal effectiveness. And the risk of hypoglycemia is increased when used in combination with insulin 
Next is DPP-4s. These are Genuvia, Trigenta, uh, Nacina. Um, And this slows the inactivation of GLP-1 by degradation enzyme DPP-4. And what this ultimately does is it prolongs the action of the GLP-1 and ultimately increases insulin secretion and decreases glucagon secretion. Moving on, we'll talk about SGLT2 inhibitors, which are medications like Invokana, Farsiga, Jardiance, and these medications inhibit glucose reabsorption in the kidneys, and there's really low risk when used alone for hypoglycemia. And so, for instance, there's been a lot of studies lately with Farsiga um, in with the use of it in heart failure patients and the reduction of cardiovascular events, and they've seen great outcomes from those studies. Sulfonylureas are another class of medications. Amaryl, glipizide, gliburide, these are all medications within this uh, drug class, and they actually stimulate the beta cells of the pancreas to increase insulin production. With the increased production of insulin comes an increased risk of hypoglycemia due to an adequate removal of glucose from the bloodstream. Meglitinides also act in a very similar way by stimulating beta cells again of the pancreas to increase insulin production, but they are shorter acting than sulfonylureas. Next is incretin mimics or mimetics. Um, This, you may have heard of victosa or trulicity, and basically this mimics the effects of the hormone incretin. And so what Icretin is is a hormone or a set of hormones um, that the gut produces, and they're secreted after nutrient intake, and it stimulates insulin secretion. So by mimicking incretin, you actually get an increased insulin secretion in the presence of elevated blood glucose levels, decreases glucagon production, and it slows gastric emptying. And it also improves the first phase of insulin response. Amylin analogs are injectable. They're taken with mealtime insulin, but as a separate injection. And this medication slows gastric emptying. And therefore, it can delay glucose from entering the bloodstream by this slowing of the gastric emptying. It also suppresses glucagon. Lastly, I'm going to talk about insulin, and there are multiple types of insulin. And what I mean by types is there's a different onset for varying insulins. And so all insulin is injectable. It is not oral. And it increases the passage of glucose from the bloodstream into the cells and decreases the production of glucose by the liver. And yes, you have an increased risk of hypoglycemia, so it is not a one-size-fits-all dosing, and this is specifically monitored and dosed by your endocrinologist or your primary care physician, whoever is treating your diabetes. We typically describe insulin in four different ways, including rapid-acting insulin, short-acting insulin, 
intermediate acting insulin, and long acting insulin. Rapid acting insulin, such as Humalog or Lispro, Novolog or Aspart, they have an onset of less than 15 minutes and a peak of 60 to 90 minutes and a duration of three to five hours. You do want to inject rapid acting insulin 10 to 15 minutes before mealtime, and it is typically used in combination with longer acting insulin. Short acting insulin, such as regular humulin, Novolin, this has a 30 to 60 minute onset. It has a two to five hour peak and a six to eight hour duration. This is injected at least 20 to 30 minutes before mealtime. Next would be your intermediate class of insulin, including NPH, and it has an onset of one to two hours. It peaks at four to 12 hours, and it has a duration of 18 to 24 hours. It's commonly used twice a day, and it can often be combined with rapid or short-acting insulin. Lastly, you have long-acting insulin, such as Lantus or Levomir. It has an onset of anywhere from 30 minutes to three hours, depending what type of long-acting insulin you're using. So I would say an average of one to one and a half hours onset. It does not necessarily have a peak, and it typically lasts up to 24 hours. It can be and is often combined with rapid or short-acting insulin. I hope you all have enjoyed today's podcast. I also hope that this helps to create a nice overview and summary of the antihyperglycemic medications that are out there that are commonly used and the ways that they're used and why we choose them because of their mechanism of action. Again, remember you can always find me at Instagram handle Let's Review RN and drop me a message if there's something that you want me to touch on on the podcast or just further questions that you have. Again, I really appreciate you guys being here. And if you have time, a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts would be amazing. And I will be back next week to talk all about diabetic education for our patients. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.